This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the podcast maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode seven, titled Monsters. Aaron, before we get into the recap, there was also some big news that came up this week that I think we need to talk about. Um, And it pertains to Picard season three, which I felt like that was news in and of itself. Like, to have a trailer for anything out this early seems crazy to me, which makes me think maybe they're filming this stuff. I like, thought we talked about this. In the, yeah, no, I thought we talked about this in the podcast, but maybe it's something I just independent research was talking with someone on Twitter. But we might have, they might shot have. season. They they produ- they essentially did season two and three as a as a package. Okay, this so makes sense. Like, yeah, kind of a Lord of the Rings type situation yeah. because you know P- Patrick Stewart's getting up in there, and they did have sure. like a three episode arc or three season arc, and they wanted to make sure he would. So, so they 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 got why they're getting good. Okay, cool. Um, so the the trailer that came out was basically they they called it a cast announcement video. Um, and it's just like right. Picard kind of sitting at a desk writing letters, and we get to see or we get to hear. The voices of a lot of people who apparently are going to be in season three and then at the end of the trailer they list them all down the screen all their names and i bet these are names that you're going to recognize did anybody stand out on the list of names for people in season three the one i'm most excited for clearly a number one with a bullet gates mcfadden Oh, okay. Yeah, you got your Gates bringing, crush. Bringing back the old will-they-won't-they they, Captain <laughs> Chief Medical Officer plotline. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I know. I, 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 think, I think she's great. Um, she's the big glaring omission besides. But then, I mean, like, then right below her is probably Michael Dorn, uh, hmm. Worf, Mr. Mr. and Burton LeVar getting, Burton. Getting short-shrifted. He's my number one on here that I wanted to see return. Oh Most, yeah, mostly I think, because I think, of the stuff they Bert... did in in uh, All Good Things. Like I, yeah. I want to see, and I know that was like Iramati induced uh, stuff right. that they were doing, but also I kind of want to see that again. That was great. Yeah, I I think that uh, um, Worf's such a great character though. Character yeah. though, um, both those guys are like kind of right below McFadden. Um, I, I saw that Frakes and Sirtis are coming back. That's they are uh, Riker and, and Troy. And Spiner, mm-hmm. yeah. Although he he's he's never ever coming back as Data, but he looks like he can play an infinite, uh, a, a, a what what do they call that on Rick and Morty, a, a central finite curve full of soons. Yeah, it makes me wonder. The seed who... is strong in the soon clan. Just another soon is who he's gonna play, I guess. I mean, he can't yeah. play Data. Yeah, I think he could play I lore. So. He could play lore. Maybe lore is back. 
maybe I thought there's War another was, like, brother disintegrated. No, I thought so too. But who they... knows with this show, man? Yeah, I actually, I, I'm surprised I don't know the exact fate of War. Um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that we, you know, the one notable one, and I'm actually kind of somewhat shocked about this is there's no Will Wheaton. Yeah, Wesley because not he's back. been riding this show as hard as he can. Like he's in the after show. He's like, you know, like we, what is he manufacturing all this enthusiasm for the stupid show if not to get to step on the star and and he, th- so did you see his reaction to it because he no. reacted kind of like you know he had two he's like you know obviously i'm kind of sad that i'm not going to be part of this but on the other hand i understand canonically wesley's a traveler and um and he's like and i'm just you know I'm, I'm really excited to still be a part of it on the after show and and watching it as a fan but he wrote a little piece of fanfic he wrote like a three or four page scene of Wesley snapping back into Picard's office as the traveler Wesley with like an adventure hook. All and I'm right. like, if Wesley came back, it would have to be as traveler Wesley and they would have to do something really cool with it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised though, because like, I don't think that's a barrier to this crew doing whatever the fuck they would want. They would like probably forget that he was a traveler or just like, well, we saw him in a, uniform in a movie at his uh, at a wedding so he's not a traveler anymore and so mm. maybe it's for the best that they leave that toy on the shelf <laughs> could be who knows but how to play it, with it it feels like an it almost feels like a snub doesn't it that like well here's my question is picard season three intended to be the final season of picard and i don't know maybe yes. this information is out there um i do think that's true because with this they're... cast coming back, it feels yeah. like it, right? Like, let's do yeah, one last hurrah like with a... the entire crew. Mm-hmm. And in that case, yeah, it kind of feels like a snub. Or or this is all performative, and Will Wheaton is actually coming back for, like, a scene or two, Boy, like, that data. Would be... I've seen Will Wheaton act, and... Oh. <laughs> No, I, I <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> the role of life. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. I, yeah, it does. But, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about, uh, like, uh, Denise Richards, but she she bailed on the first season, or like Ro yeah. Laren was only like a guest in like two seasons. Mm-hmm. This is or Pulaski again a one season. Like Will was there for the first four. He felt like part of and the crew a re- to me, and a, and a guest starring recurring role through I think every single season. I think he put in a guest appearance. So I, I don't know. I, I I I it speaks well of him that he doesn't feel or at least publicly feel snubbed, but felt snubby to me. Yeah, I, I mean, shut it, up, Wesley. To me, if it is the final season, yeah, totally. Um, if it's not, maybe they're saving him for future seasons. Or, like I said, this could all be a fake out, and he will show up. And they wanted to preserve some surprise about who's going to be around. Who knows? Or maybe they'll build a fucking show around him, like you know, Wesley Cru- Captain Crusher. Sure, Captain Crusher, Star Child. Uh huh. Traveling like, star uh, child. You know what? Um, I don't know that he's right for it, but I think I think Wesley Crusher as a grown up captain that's like in his prime mm-hmm. uh would be an excellent way to reboot aspirational trek. Yeah. Cause he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm this dark and nasty Starfleet, like I'm like, and maybe he could, he could take over a rough and tumble ship. Like La Serena, you know, mm-hmm. that's got a, a but with a bunch of fucking issues, and he just like whips them in, like over the course of several seasons, whips them in to next generation sh- shape. 
Yeah. And then that that changes the tone. I think I like I said I don't, I don't know if I buy Will Wheaton. Well, doing and, and that. then the ultimate snub recast Wesley Crusher <laughs> as a oh. 40-year-old man. <laughs> find out whoever when the cue snapped him into a man, find out what that dude's doing and bring him back right, to the right. uniform. No, but I feel like you 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 uh you you give Will the right haircut and beard trim and you get him in the uniform and uh-huh. he could he could do that. Uh, and I bet he's know. a better actor now. Did you see him on Big Bang Theory? I never did. He never had to be anything more than the maximum smarmy, his maximum smarmy self. Like it's okay. it's essentially Will Wheaton. What if Will Wheaton was an unrepentant asshole? Gotcha. And so like I think it's not as challenging as playing you know like like. But I, I, that'd be really cool. Like this teenager who idolized Captain Picard, that would be that'd be a neat idea for a spinoff. I would I would check that mm-hmm. out. Star Trek Crusher, Star Trek I guess yeah. Star Trek Wesley, because if it's Crusher, you'd think it was you know. Oh yeah, the Doctor. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm very excited though to see, especially Lavar Burton. I'm I'm a big Jory LaForge fan. Uh, Michael Dorn is great. Gates McFadden is great, and everybody else we've already seen. So. I'm looking forward to uh, at least checking out season three. We'll see what, what we make of it. I, I tell you what, uh, we've been kicking around the idea of writing a spec script or something like that, kind of like to scratch that uh, um, expanse Christmas thing that we did last year, that kind of itch. Uh, a mm-hmm. spec script for Star Trek Crusher, I think that would be kind of that fun. That would be fun. That'd be a and, fun, and if, a fun Especially concept. if we could like incorporate the scene that that Will Wheaton already wrote. Somehow. Oh, use that as a springboard? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be Although, really like cool. I said, I don't know how, why the fuck Traveler Wesley would ever captain a starship. We'd have to come up with, you uh, know. You could get there. Yeah. I've seen bigger yeah. tricks be pulled. <laughs> he devolves. Um, sure, yeah. Gets a virus and who knows. So are we are we talking about this because we're trying to avoid talking about this episode, Monsters? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. What'd you think of it? This was the first episode that just felt like a complete dumpster fire mess from start to finish. Like the mm. way it started, I honestly was confused that I thought, oh, did I start 208? I, I, I fucked up, and I'm like, but he is in the tux and yeah, the... The, the multiple mental framework kind of concept and throwing it in the middle of that, I felt like messy and it never really paid off. Um, I continue to be amazed at this Rafi character. She is mm-hmm. all over the, who is this person for real? What identity is going to stick with this character? Um, it's terrible. Uh, Gerardi as Borg Queen is was not fun. I was looking for some fun vampy episode, and she just shatters a window. That is not good. Yeah, um, sidelined. I was really turned around. Like the people sent us some thoughtful feedback last week about like you, you understand about Patrick Stewart and his relationship to domestic violence and his angry mm-hmm. father and all. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. That father, Picard's father was an angry, violent man. Um, and, and, you know, Picard's like triumph be- uh, over that background. That's interesting. And I feel like this episode pissed all over that. Oh no, actually his mom is just crazy. His mom well, is what? just cuckoo for Cocoa well, Puffs. And that's what the trauma is all about. Maybe behind the scenes, Patrick is talking to the, the creators and saying, well, I've recontextualized everything I know about my father. So we need to go down that route. I don't know, but that's definitely what this episode is doing. Uh, <sighs> And I felt like there was a lack of of clarity of messaging too, or like focus on its its storytelling. Like this is kind of a mess of a story, right? Like they get around to it eventually, but boy, you have to like 
Sherlock your way into exactly what they're trying to do here, especially the conversations that he's having with Dr. Gaius Baltar. And I know this yes. is not. <laughs> Which is another <laughs> confusing thing we can talk out. about here in a second. But yeah, yeah, right? It's 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 very like fragmented in its its thought. And I yeah. found myself like struggling to piece together really what is. this episode is trying to say. It's half baked. I really do think it's like literally these these scripts are just not given the time and attention and, and they're not bad. Like that's the thing that's maddening about this show. Right. Right. Is you step take a step back and you squint your eyes like this isn't got a really interesting thing going through. The fact that maybe Q's on trial this year and mm-hmm. um there's like elements, but then they just add the Laura shit and because we haven't even talked about that whole Oh man. I it, yeah. it's just it's just really and the, the other thing that's that sucks about it is that this is some of the best acting Stewart's done on the show. Yep. Like yep. you can tell that like like this 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 script pitch is kind of like you know when you did that one man uh Charles Dickinson uh a, a, a Christmas a Christmas carol thing you're essentially going to be doing that. You're going to be playing Picards then all kinds of time you're going to be having a debate with yourself and your dead father and you can tell he's like, "Fuck yeah, I've got this." And yeah. he did some really good work opposite Doctor Balthazar. Is his name's Balthazar? Baltar. 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 Balshazer. Depending on who says uh, it. Yeah, but, but between him, like he did, and uh, him and uh, Not Laris were pretty good. Uh, they, he did some really excellent work in this 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 episode, and it's wasted mm-hmm. on a nonsense plot. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, it, it, I don't know what else to say about this. I, I feel like we should just probably get right into it because it's going to take a while to recap this thing. Uh, the one other thing uh, we, we mentioned at the end of the, that we our schedule might be disrupted. Nope, we got at the last minute uh, three more screeners, and I think that's the end of the season or it like is. up to the finale. So there's only nine episodes this season. Uh huh. Nice. Okay, so the, we're we're we'll be uh, releasing date and time for the rest of the season for what it's worth. All right, let's get into the recap, but first let's take a quick break. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun. Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Bookaloo as they continue their discussion of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. You'll find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain. Featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, 
with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. All right, we start off with Coma Picard talking to his therapist, Dr. Guy Spaltar. As I mentioned, this is James Callis, uh, is the actor. You might recognize him from Battlestar Galactica. Um, he played the shit weasel in that. Just a complete, like, I've only selling out the humanity. First two. Yeah, it's, it's awful. It's only, on, only on the first two seasons of him, but I remember him just being just the biggest piece of shit. He's great. I love the actor. I think he's he's awesome. But here's the here's the strange thing for me is I you could not have cast a more confusing actor for him and Alexander Sadiq, who plays Bashir in, in Deep Space Nine. They look in my mind almost identical. And when I saw the screenshot preview for this, I thought, oh my God, Bashir is in this. Why what? How? And then yeah. no, it's it's. I Dr. thought Dr. for a Baltar. split second that was Sadiq too, um, and I'm uh-huh. like, oh no, it's it's because like yeah, it's it's he's yeah, it's Balthazar or whatever, right? Um, I and also I don't think this is particularly compelling uh, casting for Picard's father, especially when you keep in mind Picard's mother. Uh, they look nothing like. I mean, this is just. I, I think it's fan service casting. Like you know what? Let's mm-hmm. get the let's get the. Uh, Battlestar guy out here that'll get the the geeks uh, all hot and horned up for this episode. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's not good. Like I don't think of this guy as Picard's father, not at all. I don't either. As they certainly did a worse job, uh, casting a look like on this than they did when you see his brother in mm. TNG. Like mm-hmm. they did a great job. Yes. I thought, with that guy. Yeah, I I thought that in the the casting of Renee that. Uh, the Rene Jr., I guess, the Picard's nephew. Uh-huh. I thought those people all had a Picardian look. Like mm-hmm. that's plausible, but yeah, I didn't I didn't get it from this. It's it, it felt more like stunt casting. And maybe this is what Picard would look like with long flowing hair. They make a point about like, I got to keep my hair. You live longer, but I don't know. <laughs> Never seen him with, with actual long hair. I think it's funny because it, it, it isn't it in Star Trek Insurrection or is it Nemesis? Is that the one that's got the uh Tom Hardy uh, playing his Tom Hardy clone. clone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like canonically, Jean Luc Picard loses his hair in Starfleet Academy, <laughs> like in his early twenties, according to that yeah. stupid piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So Picard tells uh, the Doctor he has a fear of enclosed spaces, and it's ironic because he goes to the cosmos, and this is all making him not very interesting. Um, and there's a line in here where the doctor's pointing out how uninteresting he is and how non-social uh, he is. Even your closest friends call you Captain. Picard responds, whoa, hey, hey, hey. One of them calls me JL. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> right? How much more informal can you get? Uh, anyway, so the session's going nowhere. So the doctor asks Picard to tell him a joke or a story. And I love this look that Picard gives when he's like, do you know any jokes? And Picard's just like, doesn't say no, but he gives this look that's like, mm-hmm. oh, I never even thought about a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's a great Picard look. Uh-huh. And then he goes on to tell a story about a queen with red hair. 
Um, that story is a scene, we, we kind of flash over to it here. It's a scene of young Jean-Luc, uh, who is a prince, and his mother, the queen, painting a fantasy mural on the windows. Which I think might involve Batman or Wolverine, maybe? I saw Black Panther. This Black dude is Panther. a dead ringer for Black Panther, man. With All the right. claws and the little ears. And yeah, it's like, it's just T'Challa, man. Don't have to stress. He's here to save the day. <laughs> Well, come on. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and we get a line here early on from his mother, I think. There's no better teacher than one's enemy, which we'll come back at the end of the episode, but talk about it when we get there. Um, his mother tells young JL that he'll grow up to give great speeches that influence people. And then, Check and check. Yeah, he does all that. She can see the future. She tells him that, too. Uh, then the paintings come to life and start chasing them. They run into the cellars of Chateau Picard, and his mother is dragged away by the monsters. So, there again, you take a step back, you squint. Some of this stuff looks compelling, um, like the idea, like the you know that his mom is. They're 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 building this case that his mom was an agoraphobe, right? Mm-hmm. And that obviously she would have moved to Paris you know, into this very secluded place where she never has to go outside, not to get away from her father, the Picard's father, his, and the fact that they were arguings probably over her mental condition or her refusing to get treatment. And it does a lot of things that are like nicely contextualizing the season. It just, I don't know, like I said, especially after, and I guess I wouldn't have felt, I would have felt as strong if I hadn't seen all that stuff from last week and the feedback about how this is a very personal issue to, Sir Patrick, mm-hmm. but man, it just it, the, the, the when I watch this again, I just really rubbed me wrong. That like, man, the twist is that the mom is the crazy one. Yeah, um, yeah, and also the 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 age that they portray. How old do you think Picard is in these scenes? The ten, eleven. I I was going to go as high as 12. I think little Picard needs to be four or five years old to have this kind of uh, thinking there's actual monsters. Like you've repressed your Mm -hmm. memories and you've gotten things so confused that you thought that you were actually running from monsters and monsters did this. Um, Yeah, I I think they they cast him way too old. But they did that. Remember when they had the Troy and Riker's kid and... She was like playing eight, but she was like seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just really, I don't, I don't think these producers, or these, these, these writers, the showrunners, know children. Hmm. Like, yeah, once they get to be ten, eleven, twelve, they're like more like adults than than not. You know, you got to get them a lot younger if you want them to be be hardcore fantasizing this this much. Yeah, um, I I get you. That that seems right. Uh, it's, it's all, this whole story is to reinforce the idea that his father was abusive, right? It's a metaphor for yeah. that whole thing that they're setting up. And it felt uh, like that's exactly, oh my God, the dark, scary man is coming to scare us again and we got to run from him because he's really on a bender this time. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And, and they're, they're having him tell this story as a way to, uh, you know, as the doctor says, open up his mind, um, and that will reveal to him some things that maybe he didn't know about earlier um, or didn't acknowledge earlier. Uh, And and I think like all that tracks, it's just like they're going to tell this over the course of the entire episode and it's going to be interspersed with 
three different things, right? It's interspersed with um, them trying to take him out of the coma, uh, which kind of, you know, gets into this story as well. Uh, but Rios is out there talking to the doctor and stuff. Then you got Seven and Rafi who are running around tracking Jurati. And then you got mm-hmm. the second, like, layer of the onion here in Picard's mind, which is the doctor. And they're going to have a lot of conversations with the doctor. And we're going to be kind of switching back and forth between this fantasy world that he's created in his mind about what happened with his parents. Right. And then this conversation with the doctor. And every time we switch back over to the doctor, I'm like, well, I was following the track over here. But then the things they're talking about are are related obviously because we're cutting yes. back to them but but the way that they're related is not super clear i agree and even once they give you the final reveal i don't feel like it recontextualizes it enough to make a ton no. of sense just disappointing um let's go over to seven and rafi for a while and they tell rios hey we're going back to the ship to try and tra- track down Gerardi. and rios says yeah you should do that she's acting real weird because she kissed him the previous night uh, so Seven and Rafi transport back to the ship where Rafi goes on at length about how she doesn't want to see Rios and Gerardi as a couple. But their relationship between Seven, the one between Seven and Rafi, that's totally cute. Everyone loves it. I wasn't even fucking picking up on it. I know you've been on this track for like five episodes and I've been like totally oblivious. What, I think Rafi and her kissed last season. So... But here, God, okay. I don't remember that. I do not remember it. Well, I'm not gonna fault you for it. It's a pretty forgettable show. <laughs> for, I, first of all, I can the who the the way they're writing Rafi is like character malpractice. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who was ready to say fuck all of the timelines because I gotta find Rios because I gotta get Elnor back or mm-hmm. again I'm so I'm. This now is a woman who we've got a Girardi situation out in the wild with a Borg queen inside her. Mm-hmm. Way more of a five alarm fire than Rios being missing for an app. And now she's wanting yeah. to like play gossip girl with seven and talk about how some relationships make me want to barf, but we're super cute. And tea. Like the other mm-hmm. thing is like, I felt like Rafi was an unrequited love. Like seven was not quite there with her, but they're talking in this episode. Like they had a whole relationship analogous to maybe they're yeah. just talking about the sexual tension they had um well and dude, they're talking about again. their futures together and 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 seven isn't like you know giving side eye or or saying i'm not so sure that's gonna happen or anything She's no it like, sounds yeah, like it's yeah. a done deal like we're, mm-hmm. we're gonna get back together I, I i don't i i don't get it um i yeah. yeah i'm i'm really i really don't like this Rafi character and how snake they, and, it's, and it get snakely. Maybe it's snakely. Uh. Maybe it is, <laughs> but yeah, I just something the way they are just all over the place. Like if she yeah. was like a really flighty, um, cause that, that's the thing. It's like, that's the other thing. It's fucking show. All these people are abused and traumatized when they need to be other times. They can right. be fucking, uh, you know, Joss Whedon characters and joking around on a Marvel set, you know? I think Rafi is literally every character on Star Trek Discovery. Right? Right? Just just just, just pushed into all yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. shoved into one uniform. I think so. You might be right. It's not great. It's not great though. It's not. Um yeah, so then they try to scan for Gerardi, but they are locked out of the commands due to Borg programming. Ooh, that vicious Borg code. Mm-mm. Uh and then we go over to the Watcher they preparing. Use ones, zeros, and twos, Jim. Fuck, they got quantum. Whole other Quantum bit. nanites. 
Yeah, oh my god, can can it be can it be a point one? Can trinary one eight seven? It's trinary. Shit. <laughs> All right. Uh the watcher prepares to enter Picard's mind with a truly ridiculous looking device. Uh I I I what did you Shame. think with this wa- this Romulan watcher earpiece, man? Shame on you, shame on your house, shame on your family, shame whoever this is it's, so stupid. I I thought it was so dumb that she puts on this fucking silver Vulcan leaf mm-hmm. uh, Bluetooth device. And that's before she literally unholographed her pointy ears. This is so dumb. <laughs> this is so dumb. It's like Legolas do, jewelry, right? Dude, you can do one or the other. You can either do a mm-hmm. clever little nod to the fact that it's in, or you can have her uncloak her ears, but like too much pointy ear shit. Yeah. I think. Agreed. Why? And, oh, and what does it so, mean? What does it mean? Oh, wait, that she's it's Romulan desi- is the worst. It's part. designed. It has to because her her ears are just cloaked, right? Her ears aren't like, uh-huh. yeah. So so they they have to be like you can't see it, but her ears are. I just figured it out. Her her ears are vul or the Vulcan shape or the Romulan shape. So okay, that right. was a, that's a hint. And, and that part it, it looks it's still stupid. Is, is the number one it's thing just... to me. It just looks dumb. But then. We'll get to the part later where they do the big reveal about why it's shaped like that, and then it's even Dear worse. God, I opinion. just now considered when we broke that down that they considered that as a nod, as uh-huh. like, oh, the smart fans are going to pick it up pick and be up like, oh, it, she's yeah. a, oh God, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, let's. Uh, yeah, she goes inside Picard's mind, um, and yeah. Picard's talking more with the doctor, who implies that he's very good at hiding his wounds, and Picard's kind of taking offense to that. He claims the the doctor claims that the boy the story ended with the boy lost and alone in the chateau. Or no, Picard claims that, and the doctor says uh, a line that seems to get Picard's attention. There are a thousand ways to die out there. He's talking about space, but Picard has bells ringing in his head. Uh, then he begins to tell the story again, but realizes, oh, the boy wasn't alone. Oh, one little detail I like in this scene. Because this is in Picard's mind, I think the pad that's laying on the table has Elcars on it, and I I don't recall seeing oh. Elcars in the rest of this show, right? I I couldn't. I the consoles I don't think on so. La Serena yeah. are all weird. I don't. I don't. Yeah, like I don't remember what happened on the Stargazer. That, yeah, he's got like hollow steering wheels and throttles and shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't remember everything from the Stargazer episode early this season. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was Elcars there, but this is the first time I remember sitting up and going, "Oh, Elcars." And it's cool that it's in Picard's head cuz these old tablets are just what he yeah. remembers, you know. Did I so like we don't have subtitles for these damn shows. No. Um but I found some of the dialogue confusing. I thought Picard said at the beginning is like I wasn't aware that a Starfleet employed psychologists like you. And I'm like, did this Wait, show you had forget? one on your fucking ship? Yeah. Or... But then the doctor comes back midway through this conversation and said, you've built walls so high, even a beta uh-huh. Z couldn't reach you. I'm like, well, no, they know about the counselors on the ships. Like, was she just unlicensed? Did she yeah. not go to college for this? Did she not get a yeah. degree in psych- psychology? Was she just like a licensed family marital therapist? Like a substance Maybe. abuse counselor? She wasn't a psych. She couldn't pre- prescribe medication. You had to go to Beverly if you wanted. If you, right. if you wanted to answer, right. I don't. It was such a weird. But that's what he said. Like I wasn't aware that Starfleet employed psychologists like you. 
Maybe he means non-beta Z, beta Zoid. Uh, they, are they exclusively beta Zoid? Maybe they're exclusively, yeah. God, no wonder Troy had such a fucking complex when she lost her, you know. Remember <laughs> when she had that crisis of confidence? Like, she's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to be a therapist if I can't read people's emotions? And I'm like, I don't know, 24th century psychology? What does everybody else do, Troy? But Jesus. if they won't hire her, if she's going to lose her license because she's That's no true. They Zoid. only license beta Zeds, yeah. Also, the... what a dig that would be at this doctor, right, if that were true? Like, yeah. I can't believe yeah. they hire ones like you. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, uh, I do think that this is – I don't like this. This is this – is, um, not my favorite type of storytelling where they drop a piece of information that the character responds to, but we as an audience are ignorant of. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, if we had seen with in the a quote, yeah, if we just seen like two episodes ago, some flashback to his father was with his father mm-hmm. made a reference to a thousand or somebody, but like this thousand ways to die mm-hmm. is invented in this here episode. So. Like when Picard is reacting to it, my thought as a viewer is, shit, what did I miss? I didn't miss anything. They're just making shit up as they went. This is like the uh, usual suspect school of storytelling. Like Mm -hmm. mind-blowing twist at the end, which is just lying to your audience. Uh, You just, yeah. it's I don't know. It's like, it feels like the way a a kid makes up a story. You know? It's like, oh, next thing happens, next thing happens. And they just invent things to keep the thing going instead of like putting things in earlier episodes. Because I... They just must write these episodes as they go. Like, the first episode is released, and they're working on episode four. I, I don't know what's going on. We had the same thing this week with The Walking Dead, where they tried to do a, a Brood X swarm of locusts as a big thematic uh-huh. set piece. And, and just they did not plant any seeds for that. And so when it finally sprouted, you're like, that's all? That's yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. The actual cicada plague from last summer was more impactful. Yeah, yeah. I will certainly remember it for longer. How about that? Yeah. Uh, all right, The Watcher. T- Talon? Talon? Is that her name? Not Laris is what I'm calling her. Not I'm sticking Laris. with it. Uh, she's in the fantasy sequence, the story that Picard's telling in his own mind. I don't know why she ended up here instead of the doctor's office, but she does. Um, and there are Locutus quotes playing in the background. Old mm-hmm. stuff from... Picard's uh, Locutus days, or, or right around that time, like when he's struggling with it. Uh, she eventually finds young JL in the cellars. And she, she comments about, you know, this place is fucked up. This place doesn't seem super fucked up, right? It's just, it's a cellar. I could and be, she's I like, could oh, God, this is sober to conscious. Like a four, a five year old, but a 12 year old boy, like, yeah, probably not or that a, scary. Or a 50 year old watcher. Like, who understands, I, I don't know, things about the universe. There are no shit monsters ro- rocking around, though. That that does make it inherently scary. I could probably, I'd be, oh, did as she a see some after, before no, they that were five drink in the Picard background thing? And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, young JL is, is standing there. He's, uh, he's, he's gri- gripping this, uh, pillar and he says, I can't leave or my mother won't know where to find me. And the only way I could leave is if she were, here and so the watcher decides to save her and then the chambers of chateau picard's mind uh chateau picard and picard's mind begin closing off and they run it's all very exciting the the amount of dutch angles 
oh, in this yeah. scene, and like the the weird lens camera lens distortion mm-hmm. is, I don't know, like it's like, ugly. Like you, it's very ugly. It's like yeah. it's like something that you can use. Like that's something you use like when a bomb goes off in a character, and you're trying uh, uh, and you're trying to show them being disoriented. You do it for a mm-hmm. couple of seconds. You don't just put that filter on a five minute scene, man. Yeah, it's blurred it around the edges. Like, like everything in this fantasy world is blurred around the edges. Um, yeah. It's it's like a fisheye blur type effect, and then yeah. the lighting is is nasty and and weird colored in places. Yeah. Like there's a lot of colored lighting going on too. And yeah, I thought all of this fantasy sequence stuff was just ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I unfortunately agree. And again, the fucking cameras moving around like a drunken pirate on a <laughs> to- storm toss sea, I just uh, and two peg legs. back and forth from forty five degree angle to forty five degree angle, and just god yeah. damn, make it stop. Uh, so Picard's therapy session is over, and he gets angry when he finds out that the doctor knows more about him than he let on, and Picard claims. Something else is going on, and this is where I really start to have trouble. I, I had a little bit of trouble like piecing together what the hell they were talking about in previous Doctor scenes, but this is the one. Something else? He says, Picard claims something else is going on, and the Doctor prompts him then to say one real thing. Why are we here? And Picard says, he's stuck. And the Doctor says, we both are, which confuses Picard. And I get why he might be confused by that line, but... The doctor then asks, you know, what he's hiding, what he defines himself by, what trauma is there. And he presses the issue by claiming Picard is obsessed with virtue, as evidenced by the story he's telling him being a tale of good triumphing over evil. And Picard says that's untrue um, because he doesn't know how the story ends. And they, so I'm going to, they, they show a soldier or a knight patrolling the dungeon later on. That, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, that's his father, right? Uh, I assume so, yeah. Okay. I, 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 uh, I didn't get a look at his face, but I bet, I bet it's even the same actor. Okay. Cause he, Cause he, you're he right. would be in the real, in the real scenario, like trying to find his son, right? So he'd be. Exactly. And he's the hero. So that's like, Picard thinks that the, uh, evil triumphed over good, but his, from his father's perspective, like good triumphed, though he, you know, he's able to save his son from a psychotic person. Mm-hmm. So again, like there's some cool elements here. It's just, uh-huh. it seems like it kind of goes against the grain of what they were trying to do in, earlier in the season, and it's just told in the most confusing, poor way possible. There are literally scenes later on where I don't even really know what he's talking about. Like the doctor at some point just starts saying words, disconnected words: rain, the wind, yeah. uh-huh. fear. And, and I'm like, think... is this David Lynch? Is did David Lynch direct this episode? Because I don't know what's happening right now. I thought when I was first watching this show, this this episode, I thought that the Doctor was going to turn out to be Q. Yeah. Then I thought yeah. the Doctor was going to turn out to be Laris, trying to draw out his subconscious, and you know, oh, kind of okay. like yeah, you know, yeah. that's like his, her image, you know, mental image that she's projected. I did not see the the reversal, but again, it's not because. I think it's particularly cleverly told. It's just that it just came out of left field. It's completely against uh, several. I feel like the main theme that they're building of the season. So, hmm. yeah, um, there's a line also in this that the doctor tells Picard he's untethered in the ways of the heart, which is a hard line to even decipher. Like, what do those words mean? 
when put together, untethered in the ways of the heart. Yeah, like unschooled, you could say, but untethered's right. like. In what way has Just his drifting free has his heart, heart wrenched free of any moral or human compass and is just adrift? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Th- th- they go, they do this a lot in this episode and this show in general is trying to create some mystique around what's happening by using words that you wouldn't necessarily use in that situation to describe right. a concept, and they'll do it yeah. later with Guinan. Holy shit, will they oh, do it wow, with Guinan yeah. later? Yeah, they're t- they're trying to but, craft like in inspirational, amazing. It's it's like it's like um, like Mad Libs, Damon Lindelof, like that's yeah, a guy yeah. who can craft an actually inspiring speech that 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 carves at something interesting about the human experience, the human spirit. And these people are like word scrambling those. Like I know yeah. what the shape of these speeches look like, and I know what they look like when they're performed. I have fuck me if I know how to write one, <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, we go back to young John Luke telling the Watcher that they need to get to the white door, which also moves around a lot. But he, one thing he knows about it is his mother is behind it. And there's this guard patrolling that you were talking about earlier. Uh, some smoke rolls in, and there's some laughing, and then monsters come out of the darkness and grab them both. Okay, so what does the white door symbolize? Uh, damn. Damn, that's a good question. I have no idea. I've been thinking about it ever since I polished off this episode and work and like, okay. I oh, think the white it's... door is the door that he that his father locked her in after she had like a manic episode or whatever. Really? It's the yeah. Yeah. And it's in a different place all the time? His father lock him in a Because d- there are d- multiple d- lock... episodes that she has. And, and she locks him in a different. He locks her in a different room just for I shits and giggles. I assume so. I assume so. Yeah. The, the, so okay. I the think that's what it is. Although it, you're right, it, it doesn't. It's never in the same place, but she's always behind it. Is the thing that kind of threw me because uh-huh. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that works. Except for again, <laughs> or is it? Is it's like because they've moved around so much. That's why he thinks of it as different. You know, like they've switched houses oh. from Paris to. Yeah. Could be. Mm-hmm. I'm, try- I'm really trying to interpret the episode as charitably as I can, you know? Sure. Uh, so we go back to Dr. Teresa. Is is this a Mother Teresa thing? Is that... Because she's, a- she's well, a mother. she's literally a mother, yeah. Yeah, she's a mother and she's, Teresa, she's yeah. a good person. She's a saint doing, doing work for less fortunate people. I feel like there's a Mother Teresa thing happening here. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, her kid is being a spaceman. And Rios uh, plays with the kid for a little while and then tries to warn her about what she's going to see in Picard's room if she ultimately goes in there. Uh, but she is, she she takes the key, she goes in and she is still very shocked by shaky Picard and milky-eyed the Watcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. fair. It's a weird sight. Mm-hmm. And, what is this? He's like, it's a procedure. <laughs> Uh, yeah right well, obviously uh, something is happening yeah yeah there's some demons being channeled like was there's a, is this an exorcist what the hell i thought that yeah I, like i said this is another plot line i think is kind of cute i think that rios uh-huh. and her have some interesting chemistry i like the kid wearing his face helmet and her going over and shutting his lid when she was going to use the, the swear words at him and and then the kid and saying the fact that, he didn't even use the good ones mom come on right and the fact that yeah. this she's just not having it it's like look 
I don't know who the fuck you are, but this is my mm-hmm. clinic. You can't lock my doors and my clinic and get away with it. And yeah. Um, unfortunately, it does seem like this is, they are, they're really, really biting off Star Trek 4. I'm going to wait for another scene before I get mm-hmm. really okay. get into this. Okay. Yeah, Rio says at the end of the scene that he needs to explain something to her without breaking time. Um, and then we flash over to the monster telling uh, the Watcher that she shouldn't be here and then shackling young John Luke. Uh, and that is a very quick scene. And we come back to Teresa where she says she needs to, uh, they need to get Picard to a hospital because he's dying. And Rios calls up Rafi, asks for a stabilizer, and she beams one in, which further shocks Teresa. She's able to pull it together enough, though, to stabilize Picard. Okay, so this is yet another uh, obvious reference to Star Trek IV. Um, And so, like, you know, Chekhov has the whole brain, you know, they got to drill a hole in his head to relieve the intracranial pressure, and McCoy's like, what is this, the fucking Dark Ages? And he just waves the thing on his head, and he's he's all good. I don't know why the doctor, the 21st century doctor, has to grab this machine. Like, how does she know? Right. Rios would know better. Certainly. Yeah. Like, what if, like, what if hypodermic forceps punched out and then and drilled a hole in the wrong places of Picard's skull with this thing? What if it, like, beamed part of his brain out because it wasn't pointed right? What if, like, she's just literally pointing something what direction it's in? She doesn't know. And pulling a trigger. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, why doesn't Rios do it? I think he's trying to establish trust. If I'm being generous, this is him establishing trust. Like, I, you're I the doctor. This... I'm not going to take over your job here. I'm just going to help you. I think you're right, but I think it's more important to establish uh, that you're a future guy because you're about to anyway. <laughs> I feel like beaming and shit into your hands. It's also more important. Maybe, mace, maybe most important, not killing Picard. Certainly by giving her important. this 24th century medical. And that's just the other thing. It's just like her, him coming to Rafi and be like, Rafi, I need a... I need something to stabilize Picard. Mm-hmm. And just like 10 seconds later, a device beams into the palm of his hand. I would have loved I to just, hear Rafi go, well, what kind of symptoms are we experiencing right, over yes. on that end, right? Yeah, like what has gone wrong? What body part is affecting? What kind of stabilization? What? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I think this show would be better if they like they cut away from the action and Rafi's like, what? ask those questions and re- and. You know, she's like, all right, I'll replicate something. And then the next scene they do. I just felt like, I don't know, man. Some Sometimes it just feels really lazy. Like, the idea mm-hmm. that, like, this conversation took five seconds. Right. Like, I, I would was rather Rafi him... on the ship that she can run and grab a brain yeah. stabilizer and beam it to Rios in five seconds? I would rather him have called back to one of, his alter egos aren't even on this ship, are they? Because this is an alternate. Why aren't they? Dimension. Oh, it's the alternate version of the one. ship. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah an I alternate so, timeline yeah. version. Okay. I wish they would have kept one maybe around for something like this. Because if he could have mm. called to his doctor persona and just been like, I need something to stabilize Picard. Yeah. That's a little more believable, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's not amazing. Anyway, uh, the Watcher talks. Uh, well, busts young JL out of his shackles and talks to him uh, about continuing his journey. And he's like, okay. And then we're, we're flashing back here. Uh, Dr. Teresa, we're, we're, it's fast and furious with the cuts. Very, very much so. Uh, Dr. Teresa asks if Rios is from outer space. Just says no. He, he says no, I just work here. 
Uh, actually, that might have been from the previous scene, wasn't it? No, it's the one because they're they're hitting all the Star Trek four highlights. Okay, okay. No, this I just is, work uh, here. This from is Chile. I'm I'm, uh, I'm from Iowa. I just work here. Uh, right, this is the Chile version of that. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think about biting this hard off Star Trek four? Uh, like consecutive look, references. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Force Awakens. Yeah. I think it's easily the best of the three uh, sequels. Sure. I don't. I don't hate it. I don't have a huge problem with it. Okay. I feel like it's like, you know, like uh, when Kanye West says, "50 told me go ahead and switch your styles up, and if they hate, then let them hate and watch the money pile up." On his song, "The Good Life." <laughs> okay. That's fine. Yeah. But if he literally said, "50 told me," and then just did in the club verbatim, <laughs> it would be lame and dumb, right? Uh-huh. Uh I feel like we're closer to just. You know what? This ep- this season's based on Star Trek Four, and I'm just going to quote it verbatim. I, I yeah. don't know. There's like I felt like one was good, two was too many, three was, and I I love Star Trek Four. I mentioned this. I was yeah. I was hoping, and the stuff that they, I don't know, like I the things I was really hoping for, like marble bust heads floating through some kind of, you know, time mist when they're doing the slingshot. They don't do, but they really. I don't know. I I, mm-hmm. I I'm just I'm just really bitchy with this episode because it it just yeah. I just really hated it. So I'm I'm really really getting my dick my my licks in my dicks in my dicks and my licks all going in this episode. Fair, fair. Uh, all right. Let's flash over to the fantasy again because why not? Mm-hmm. Watcher and, and Young JL make it to the white door. Scene over. Let's go back to seven. Uh, who realizes that the ship was loaded with board code by Gerardi and they need to find her. By the way, they don't just find the white door and open it. She kicks it open. Yeah. They have to have an action scene in a three-level deep Inception dream. Mm-hmm. We have to have action, not Larius. Bust open that door. Anyway. Sure. You got to bust open windows. You got to bust open doors. Maybe it's a metaphor. I don't bust know. Bust them all open. Um, yeah, so they they were scanning around. They saw some footage of, of Gerardi, uh planting. I, I don't know how you do this through a screen by touching it. It's probably Borg shit. Um, but yeah, plants the board code in the computers. Yeah, she's, she puts her hand on a console and it just kind of waves green, and now it's borkified. Yeah, so, th- so this is like... Sign me up. <laughs> the thing that's actually happening here is they realize, oh no, Gerardi is infected by the board queen. Yeah, right? yeah. Not just the board code is in their computers, because they realized that earlier. And this is, again, such a weird switch in this character that, like, Seven's like, we have to find Girardi now. This is a crisis. And Rafi's like, but you haven't drank your coffee yet. <laughs> like, did they understand that the odd couple was funny because you had a, like a fastidious guy and a slovenly guy? And it wasn't funny that one week one guy was a slob and one guy and then the other week the next guy. It, they, they were, ah, I feel like it's the odd mm-hmm. couple, except for they, they switch. They change who is overreacting and being reactionary and who is being super calm and level-headed about it. And right. it doesn't make a lick of sense. With you. Uh, Card finds the Watcher and young JL in the Chateau, and they see uh, the Doctor. I- I'm still calling him the Doctor here. He's in the fantasy sequence. He's being a little less doctory here. We don't know mm-hmm. what's up yet. Yeah, Doctor and Young JL starts yelling that he's a monster. Uh, Picard realizes, oh, oh, it's n- never mind. It's in this scene right now that Doctor is his father. Uh, I don't know his name. 
I don't know his name. Do you know Mr. Picard's Picard. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I don't to think they've me, given anyway. it. Yeah, I don't think they've given it. Have they ever in the history of Star Trek? I couldn't tell you. I mean, okay. surely there's been some kind I of novel or so. comic book, but I I don't know. Oh, I meant in canon, like TV show. Oh, yeah. Uh, can't I'm think not of sure. It. Anyway, he claims that uh, claims that he broke his mother, and his father claims, no, Picard, you got it all wrong, and shows him a book with an image of the thing that he was holding earlier. And we forgot to talk about this, but it's this like looks kind of like a sun, kind of like it's a supposed labyrinth. To be. Yeah, like a holographic representation of the sun. Okay. Um, but it still doesn't make sense in this particular context right now. Um, no. In this half of the scene. But the next half, we'll get to it. Because um, I was very confused by this symbol the whole time. Um, should we keep going, or you want to talk about this? I mean, I, 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 this is where the show starts to re- step back and it, wanting you to admire how clever it is, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel, I didn't, it didn't feel clever when I was watching it. There was, I don't know, like I, when they kicked in the door open and like the the banging on the 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 door was just uh, not Laris and his younger visualization trying to get him. I thought that was kind of clever, and then the the banging still not done because this is his father now coming to rescue him. It's just, yeah. Again, I felt like some good, solid ideas, but they needed to connect the dots a little bit more. I feel like two switcheroos on door kickings in is one too many for this episode, especially as messy and as making it up as we went along as as all the world building felt. Uh, I think the banging is also representative of his mother being locked in a room right behind the white door. Oh, that's true. She's also banging. Could go both ways. Yeah, I think it's all of the above. Uh, anyway, the second half of the scene, he remembers the thousand ways to die line from, from his childhood, actually. And we see what really happened as a kid. Uh, his mother took him into the tunnels of Chateau Picard and he dropped a notebook he, he took with him, uh, which had a drawing of this symbol, this sun-like symbol in it, um, while his mother ran on and he got his foot stuck in some shit wood down in the catacombs of... Chateau Picard and was there for a long time apparently until his father found him and dragged his mother away to get her help because this was all a mental illness that she had and this was like an episode of hers Yeah, and then he tells Picard the monster chasing his mother was just mental illness essentially yeah so the the monster's not there was no mother chasing your your mother JL and yet there always were like right okay I'm not the monster. Your mom is, uh, yeah. or at least her mental illness is. I couldn't save her from her own mind, son. You must understood. And then Picard's like, oh, I never knew you. Ah. Yeah, it's it's got to be more than just agoraphobia, right? Because agoraphobia is something you could live with, and it doesn't make you do, I, I would I, think, things the, the, like the, this. Like, like maybe agoraphobia is combined with paranoia, where like you feel like... Yeah. You are exposed, and you need to, to the extent you need to get underground, and then you feel like things are starting to chase you. But like, yeah, you've gone beyond just simple agoraphobia at that point. But that's the thing; it's so. like, like this show is just so messy when it comes to mental illness. They're trying to be say something kind of profound and interesting, and uh, but I just I don't know, man. I don't feel like they understand the issues or are able to talk about them in a super interesting way. Because... The thing I like about this. I would say is the recontextualization of a childhood memory when you yeah. have 
more information. However, I would say the what is the more information here? What is the prompting to recontextualize? Is it simply he's never examined this part? Because they make a point that like over and over again, he's come close to examining and, and touching this like sun-like kernel of his personality, but never quite gotten there. Is it just this time happens to be the time that he'll actually get there? Well, yeah, but the thing is, is like, what difference does it make to a man that's 100 years old? And like he even says, he even says in this, uh-huh. uh, like when Picard has the realization that his father, he's like, I never knew you. I'm like, well, it's, he's dead. He's been dead 70 plus years like that. It's so like, I, I keep on coming back to what, what, and how does this experience help him help, help Renee? Well, he didn't need this experience to help Renee. So like, I right. just like, no, I'm like, how is this going to tie back together? Cause I'm still waiting to hear the fatal mistake that Picard made. Like, what what Q's gonna come in and is like, ho, ho, as an eleven year old boy, your per foot shouldn't have bust through that shit wood, Jean Luc. You should have had the foresight to not have an abusive mentally ill mother. You should like the fuck? Like yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's two two more episodes left, so maybe they will turn the corner. But it just maybe. feels like they're adding and adding and adding and nothing is like directly connected to the neck the floor but below it. You know, foundation and the first yeah, floor I- like, you know. I do feel like they're turning a corner into something here. I, I don't feel like this is the entire puzzle. I think like yeah. what Q actually needs out of this, which we'll talk about later, is going to be the important part that's going to connect that all these dots. That would go a long way to salvaging the main of the season if like yeah. this is all a put-on charade for Q that's a cry for help so that he uh-huh. can get therapy. Again, I... <laughs> And I that's why that he like. had this fascination with John Luke Picard the entire time because they were more alike than he wa- than he ever admitted. And like, but then we got to go back and unpeel. Like, what does that mean that someone right. from the Q continuum saw something in Picard's childhood that spoke to him? Yeah, like the Q's daddy. Q's daddy <laughs> locked him in a closet. Like maybe, what? Maybe I. I, I have know. no idea. The nature of the Q will be an interesting pairing with this particular vintage of Picard, but. We'll see. We'll see. I have a feeling that it's not going to make sense. It's only going to make a little bit of sense in hindsight, and none of the issues are going to connect in any kind of logical way. Could be right. Like, um, I think you can say, like, Picard helped Renee, and he did it this way, and you can say that uh, Laris helped Picard, and she didn't, and you can say Picard helped, be- but there's not going to be anything that centrally unifies any of those struggles together, because there's fundamentally well, what Renee's going through is not anything like what Picard's yeah. going through, and it can't possibly be like what Q's going through. Right. No, I and, and this isn't even like even in their moment of like the big reveal, the the context change here, mm-hmm. they still have young JL pull out this key. And then she realizes, right. "Oh my god, this isn't even the end of the story, right? There's more to right. it." So, yeah. and then Picard kicks the watcher out of his mind. He wakes up. Um That's going to be the key that unlocks the whole series for us, Jim. As soon as we uh, turn that thing. I guess so. Uh, all right, Rios draws space pictures with Teresa's son on the wall, uh, and then he tells Teresa that he's human, and the Picard feels like a father to him, and she's been lied to before, and tells him, look, if you're lying about this, I will murder you, and no one will find your body. Uh, lying about who he is, that is. And mm. he proves it to her by transporting them all to the Lost Arena. They're coming I- back. 
the, this we, is the whale researcher from Star Trek Four. Yeah. She's coming back. I don't know what totally. that does to the timeline. It deprives yeah. a, a poor LA neighborhood of a of a clinic resource. Who knows how many people die because of that decision? <laughs> it probably ushers in World War Three a little faster. I don't right? Know. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. I'm. And then the kid running. I want to touch everything. I'm like, <laughs> please don't. Yeah, please. There's, there's like tech on this ship right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I says. Like, what if you want to you want to step in a, a, a puddle of nanites? Uh-huh. You're gonna drop the containment field for the antimatter. You're gonna. Jesus, kid. <laughs> right. I imagine there are lockouts. I mean, if look, if seven and Rafi are locked right. out, the kid probably can't do much. But he doesn't know about that yet, does he? But on the other hand, why would you put? That's the thing. It's like. We've talked about this before. Like in military equipment and in military bases, there's surprisingly few barriers to access. Like you can just jump mm-hmm. in a Humvee, push a button, and drive off with it because they count on the walls and the fucking armed Marines to <laughs> uh-huh. like keep the people that should be fucking with their shit out of there. Like you don't want to get, if I imagine if your nuclear submarine's going critical, you don't want a whole bunch of like complicated things keeping you from scramming that son of a bitch. You mm-hmm. want whoever's qualified to scram it to scram it. And for the rest of the sailors, not to go scramming your fucking reactor for willy-nilly i'm not certain that a starfleet ship would have safety interlocks for an inquisitive eight-year-old but i don't know maybe you could be right same thing enterprise d enterprise d hardened against toddlers had to be yeah i mean picard would have seen to that oh yeah baby gates everywhere yeah (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) anyway rafi and seven worry about uh borg queen gerardi being loose in 21st century LA and we see where they tracked her to which is a bar where she blasted the windows out the previous night uh I don't know is it did you have a problem with her blasting the windows out gentle listener they will explain why she busts the Mm -hmm. windows out in the next scene but Mm -hmm. it won't make any more sense it won't be any good no she's like because agnes comes in slinking in in that red dress and she's Mm -hmm. like looks at this dude up and down like i'm gonna fuck this dude and then she looks at the pane of glass you know what pane of glass and when you find out what this is about you're gonna you're gonna go back and be like why why so anyway it tracks it's just dumb right like I, and why did seven of nine have to break a beer bottle to make this oh wait we're not right. even that that scene yet this is just them seeing the the crime scene footage or whatever it will have an even dumber scene between now yeah. and then. an even yeah, dumber yeah. scene all right uh i'm sorry there's not a lot of good stuff in this episode i tried to give him credit for for the recontextualizing your father being a monster stuff but yeah yeah the rest yeah hmm all right, anyway, um, so they tell Picard what they found, and he says, keep him informed while he takes care of something here. And then, uh, oh, God, there are two dumber scenes. There are two dumber scenes between this and then. Uh, the Watcher tells Picard that the other Picard, Rene Picard, is fine, and he saved her, at least for now. Uh, Picard acknowledges how personal their interaction was during the time he was in his coma, uh, and in return... Uh, Tal- Talon, the Watcher, reveals something personal about herself that she, this entire time, has had holographic Romulan ears. No, no, holographic human ears. She stealthed her Romulan ears, is what happened. Man, getting her, getting a 21st century haircut for this lady must be a real fraught experience. She's got Ooh. invisible ear tips that those scissors... <laughs> 
right? Did I leave my ears on? Oh, shit. Oh, God, no. And, and I've well, got I mean, a thing I, in two hours no, where I need them. Cloaked. I can't turn them off. They're not physically different because she's got the, the earpiece uh-huh. that, I don't know, man. Um, so this starts with what, okay, I usually associate this stuff with like Fast and the Furious franchise. You know, where like Dom uh, goes up to Letty's house. And he rumbles up in his muscle car. She's like, Dom, you can't be here. You're under, you're, you're wanted by the FBI, the CIA, the PLO, the IRA. And he's like, hey, <laughs> don't worry about it. And that's it. That's the only explanation for why all these law enforcement agencies that have his sister's house under surveillance 24-7 don't notice him rumbling up. Uh, all right? Back door. Yeah. Picard wakes up from a coma he's been in. <laughs> When he went into coma, everyone's like, "Oh my god, we've got a, uh, uh, we've got, we've got the Q and a billionaire Elon Musk, cybernetic genius, gunning for this guy. How are we going to protect everyone?" He wakes up from the coma, is like, about it. "What happened to Renee? She's okay, free of Soon and Q for now." Mm-hmm. Why? Why is Q and Soon? <laughs> Why? How, how many hours do they have left? It's got to be like several, right? Before Dude. the. the... Sue was this close for murdering her by just running her over with a car, like we talked about the last week. Like, why did he give up? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I thought, I thought this this was this is going to be Seven and Rafi and Rios doing like protection work for, but no, the the, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) No, they got bigger things, and and granted, they do have bigger things to attend to here. I think, like. You could probably roll back a few of the butterflies caused by Renee getting hit by a Tesla or whatever, but trying to roll back the cu- uh, the Borg Queen, uh, uh, assimilating half the planet while you guys are fucking around with Renee, that's probably hard. Right, right. But, you know, so. ha- you haven't finished your coffee. so <laughs> Still, yeah. But I do, um, he, I do like the t- the second half of this, where they're talking about the, the, the pivoting this to the cue. Ho, 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 hold your horses, because i got to talk oh, about sorry. one really more dumb thing. Uh, Hit me. I get what they're doing here, right? They're trying to, they're they're trying to have the watcher voluntarily expose herself by saying, "These are my real ears. This is personal. It's my real ears, and I can't turn this on for eight hours." But why the fuck can't she turn this back on for eight hours? What is it? A battery plot thing? is going to require exactly, it. exactly. That's my assumption. Or just does saying, like, I'm exposing de- myself voluntarily. I don't know. Yeah, like, does the cloaking device take eight hours to recharge? Can you only, if, if it's not, if, are they molecularly manipulating her ears? Can you only do that well, every eight hours of cartilage before they get cauliflower ear? I, 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 <laughs> sure, right? But when she looks and like, I hope you enjoyed ear. seeing my ears. It'll be eight hours before I can put them back. I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, who sweated the detail here? Who who in the writer's room was like, okay, you're the cauliflower Romulan ear person. You take this. And they came back with, she can't do it for eight hours. Plus, it's weird because it's like the sequence of events is Picard's like, okay, how's Renee? Renee's cool. Don't worry about it. Okay, well, it seems like we've become, we made a quantum leap in our intimacy. And she goes, well, let me give you this ear thing. Mm-hmm. Is this actually Laris? Because that's such a non sequitur if Picard's like, we're being more intimate like I was with Laris, and she's like, well, let me throw you a bone. Romulan mm-hmm. ears. And then Picard's like, you must be her ancestor. 
right. I'm just like, right. I, man, I just, it's just so, it's just so fucking, we, this is not like the fourth person that looks exactly like someone from 400 years ago, it, or it's it actually feels so silly, right? It's not even, it's not even that like any of this in isolation is bad and stupid. It's all just like, why? Why are yeah. you wasting time on this? Eight hours, did, you did could you be ancestors. Really just, you just really wanted to give these people role, like, uh, to the detriment of the show? You just wanted to write them in? Like, then find a way to write them all in. Have Picard take a whole fucking crew back with them. I right? just, it's, it's so, real, it's just really dumb. Rick, how you doing, buddy? You... You don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, do, do you even know what it's like out there? N- no, n- not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are, too. We're preparing to once again recommission The Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, The Ones Who Live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we can move on now. Um, Picard tries to get back on mission, but the Watcher wants to talk about Q's plan to get him to experience his memories. And Picard thinks it's irrelevant, but then realize that line his mother told him about there is no better teacher than one's enemy um, might actually apply to Q, and that Q actually needs Picard to go through with this trial for his own reasons. It's not yeah. about him at all. He's we're not, we're like I've always filed Q as unknowable. Man, I hope they don't ruin Q. <laughs> because I if I say, was... The- I- if I was yeah. to know, like, like I think that's a fundamental part of his character and what makes him cool. And mm-hmm. maybe this is Jean Delancey's last go around. It's the last go, around. but like, yeah, if the Q is a known quantity, then they're no longer Q, and you, you, you've, you've killed another great foe of the Federation. But uh, I, all I right. do guess I buy that. Like, Q have personalities, though, right? Like individual Certainly. personalities. They're not Borg-like in that regard. Yeah, yeah, they have different um, aspects that are collective, sure. And therefore, they might identify with people. I think there's a there's something they can round into here that is actually good um, between Picard and Q, and why Picard is the chosen one, or the focus of all Q's attention, and what this trial is all about, and how it connects to his father and his trauma. I think they can do it. Well, I think someone can do it. I'm not sure if they can do it. I think they can point. do it, whether it makes sense and it's compelling. That's the problem because it it will it will connect, sure. even if they have to like invent three things in the final episode to make it so. Oh uh-huh. no! I, what I should have said is yes. I I'm not sure. I, I think someone can do this satisfactorily. I'm not sure yeah. they can do it. Yeah, agreed. That way. Anyway, Picard. Okay, God, God, this scene. Picard this goes to scene. ten to ten forward. 
and convinces Guinan to summon a Q. And apparently, you can summon Q with just a really good party, like a, a good music, good food, good drink. Um, they're real party animals over there in the queue. So she does, she summons him by pouring a shot of the moment that they made a truce between the DeLoreans, no, Elorians, uh-huh. and the queue. And right. this is like literally a shot of the moment, like in time. And she drinks that. And unfortunately, it doesn't work. This scene is something out of True Blood or American Horror Story, like the whole summoning seance. It doesn't make sense because, like, mm-hmm. I thought she's going to say that, like, you know, well, Lorians have uh, strong symbolic meanings to food and beverage, and when we made peace with the... I, and also, like, did you ever think that Guinan could take Q in a fight? No, God, no. I mean, Q's I was like Guinan was like a hornet. Like, she could yeah. sting Q and do something to affect him on some kind of plane of existence that would be painful or inconvenient. But the idea that this race of Elorians <laughs> can fight the Q continuum in some sort of cold war to a standstill. No. But but then it's like, well it's like, okay, well so like she's gonna do this ritual that's going to summon that's like some kind of thing that the Q it it's doesn't make sense, but like, you know, you can summon the Q, it could be anything, hanging a sock on the door. They're omnipresent, omnipotent, um, uh, omniscient beings, whatever. It's just like paginum. But she says it's this particular bottle. Yeah. Like, Guinan is holding the thing that summons all Q. Why would this random Elorian have that in her possession? What happens if she breaks it? And why in the here and now? Why, why 21st century LA would she have this bottle? Why would they not guard this yeah, a little more closely? It, it doesn't. It doesn't make. It doesn't make sense. And like, what if Guinan wasn't one of the who knows how many Alorians there are? A planet full of them at one point. Uh, at this point, because yeah, Alorians aren't extinct yet. The thread hasn't come through and killed them all. What's the odds that Guinan has it? It's just. It felt like this. A real like like it, it, again. It just comes out of this is like uh, some kind of spooky show business. Like this is uh, yeah. uh, a True Blood it, American it's... Horror Story deal. And I have a huge problem just conceptually with this thing. I don't feel like they explained what what they meant here. Like yeah. I, a lot of times in Star Trek, they do techno babble, right? It's kind of famous for it, and they'll say like, "Oh, right. these ions go this way. Let's just reverse them with a nano nano defibrillator accelerator, uh, and these tachyons will will do this thing." I'm more okay with that because they're they're using language that you can kind of connect the dots on here. I honestly don't understand anything that she's talking about in this scene. We put a lot of importance on food and drink. Okay, I get yep. that. Uh-huh. And then you store the moment. Well, she says the liquid can capture the half-life of a moment. And I don't know. Yeah, apparently they, they half-life like is a, a measurement of decay. I don't <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand what you mean by that half-life. That bottle sits on a shelf a for long enough. Can you no longer summon the cue because you've exceeded right. the half-life of the potency of the summon? Yeah. Maybe it captures a half-life in that you know the exact moment that the moment happened, and so you're able to somehow, through food and good wine and music, yeah, access yeah. that moment, because it's just a measurement in the bottle, not the actual moment. But she says the actual moment is in there. And then she talks about, like, every action vibrates, every word has resonance for the Allorians. Mm-hmm. I thought this was about food and drink being important, but now you're talking right. about actions uh-huh. and sounds... And and 
it's just a very confusing mess of metaphors. And then she opens the bottle with a resonating, like, running her finger around the rim kind of thing. Yeah. And screams, and the whole bar shakes. And I, I don't understand why sound is connected to food, is connected to the moment, is connected to the cue. I think it's just it's spiritual. It's it's uh, paranormal. Like and in Star Trek is, is sometimes totally. painted with that picture like I I'm thinking particularly where mm-hmm. um Crusher had the green erotic ghost candle. Uh Okay. But at yeah. the end of the episode yeah. that's like a Scooby Doo thing where that was some kind of multiphasic entity that had bound her family and was right. psychically vampiring her line and it was it where this is just like she's doing magic, man. Mm-hmm. And the hell of it is, it doesn't even work. Like, and, like <laughs> right. that guy stumbles down. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a new Q. It's going to be a mm-hmm. Q2 or yep. Q also. No, he's just a federal fucking off. I this this yeah. I this isn't Star Trek. This I I put my foot down and say this is this is not Star Trek. This is Hercules legendary journey shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I I was. This is one of. No, no, this is the worst scene I've seen in the entirety of Picard, and we've seen some really doozies of a dumb scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is bad. Anyway, let's move on. Seven understands why Gerardi broke the window. It's because the Borg Queen is amping up endorphins to speed up the takeover of Gerardi, and what they're witnessing is the birth of a new queen. It's the first contact shit I was worried about uh, a few episodes ago, the potential Aww. for the Borg Queen to assimilate the entirety of Earth if she gets out. Because the Borg Queen's too weak to assimilate now. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Gerardi might not let her. Is that the? I don't. Might not she let needs her. To be more percent. Like Gerardi was ninety nine percent Borgified already. Uh, I don't. Man, none of this. This this doesn't contract with any kind of Star Trek lore that I'm aware of. Why Why mm-hmm. did Seven of Nine have to break a beer bottle on the pavement to understand what happened here? She has no imagination. She has no empathy. Why would breaking a window in a bar for no reason get your heart rate going faster than having anonymous sex in a bathroom with a stranger? Uh, maybe the Borg Queen, before she was assimilated, just was like constantly having bar sex, so it was nothing to her. Oh, yeah. But she never really... broke a window. She never broke a bar window. <laughs> So the board, the Borg Queen trains were legendary back <laughs> right. in the, the the Gamma Quadrant. This is yeah. yeah, but breaking glass? Hell, I don't even I don't even have you ever seen glass on a Borg ship. That's that's some some good times. I guess. Anyway, yeah, she's gonna assimilate the planet and they need Picard to stop her, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yep, but yep. Picard's down in this bar with Guinan still, and, and Guinan doesn't know why the summoning didn't work, and then a man comes into the bar, but it's not Q. It turns out that he's an FBI agent, and he arrests Picard. Uh, this is the biggest butterfly yet, right? Robot Picard arrested by the FBI? With an alien? With an alien, <laughs> yeah. After... Uh... Did, did they feel the shaking? How far did the I, shaking dude, go? Dude, I don't know. That, that's, it's a paranormal event. I still don't know why Q didn't show up. Why didn't Q show up? Well, he's without or, his powers. It, okay, if Q doesn't show because he's not... The, so this summons one particular Q? Maybe the Q of your choice? I don't know. Ah, uh, because I like if, if Q doesn't show up, I would think another Q would show up. And that's what I thought was happening. Right. I thought it's like Me this too. guy schlubbing in was going to be a new aspect of Q. I was blown away, but not in a good way. 
when he revealed himself to be a, a federal agent. We should talk about the, the similarities between FBI agents and Q, all powerful beings in this show, because I'm with you. I thought like, oh, this guy could be a really good Q. He's smarmy. He's yeah. d- d- overconfident or not even overconfident. He's just confident. Yeah. Uh, guy is talking yeah. shit to him and he's just not like being oblivious to it. And he starts mm-hmm. talking about, I'm, you know, you guys like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a sci-fi guy, and I like it because science is aspirational, and like, you know, all this other stuff, and interrupting and their the, conversations, right? Like, yeah, he, the, yeah. He, he's the most important thing in the room. Nothing else matters. Yeah, and he starts saying, but you know, and then and, and I really like the strange, the weird stuff, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna snap his fingers, and something's gonna happen, and then he just mm-hmm. shows a cell phone footage of Picard beaming in something yeah. that we were like in episode three. This is gonna be a problem, right? With mm-hmm. all the cameras and shit that's in that, like, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. It's it a, problem. a problem. That's fine. I, I mean, it is a problem. Uh, I don't know how they get there. out of this. Presumably, Picard has a communicator like this. Yeah, they're your hands at the FBI or the CIA or something. Well, Did they say it's FBI? Yeah, he's FBI. I saw his badge. Um, I, I presume they'll just beam him out. Like, what? Nothing can stop that. Uh, in the 21st century. So, but I the butterflies, that's right? That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, the FBI knows if you beam out of FBI holding cell, you're probably gonna sure. get seen. Yeah, but you can't really ads. stop that bus and get him to safety before you beam him out. It is a weird, yeah, it is a weird, is a weird twist because what, yeah, what are they gonna get out of Picard? Yeah, and there's two episodes, and now we got to break another person out of like. Imagine if like you're watching mm-hmm. Star Trek Four. Chekhov falls off aircraft carrier deck, goes to the hospital. Ah, oh, fuck, that sucks. Uh, you get him rescued, and you hear from Spock that Uhura got in a, a, a bus accident. <laughs> it's and a now... game of whack-a-mole with these people getting arrested. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, and then Scotty got in a bar fight while they're trying to get Uhura's broke-ass leg out of the hospital. It's like, what? Jesus Christ, can you guys stop? God damn it's it, like... Sulu got stuck in shitwood. Can we get his leg out of there? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't get it, man. Like, yeah, okay. Like this, this, this feels like uh, four episodes, four or five episodes of plot. Yeah, that could have been that. This half baked needed to be fully baked, and but what what we got? What we got? This is what we got. Get what you get. And that's it, man. That's, that's it. Uh, we have gotten so much feedback that we're going to start doing a separate feedback show because these shows are getting because we're going an hour and twenty on 45 minutes worth of ridiculousness, and we still have, like, pages of feedback to read. Uh, so we're going to start releasing that as a separate podcast um, from the main show so we can get out a little bit quicker, uh, so the feedback's a little bit more relevant. Um, and again, crucially, because we have a bunch of it to read. So uh, be on the lookout for feedback. Uh, or it's, it's yeah, like, if you want to get feedback on this here episode, got a couple days to send it in. Picard at baldmove.com. Um, and yeah, I guess by the time you you hear this, you've already we'll, we'll already released one feedback episode. So mm-hmm. this is Aaron from the future coming back to warn the <laughs> past that if you try to summon a Q, the federal agents will come and shut your shit down. We need we need to make that scream our official like calling for feedback. Like, can we summon <laughs> feedback by psychic scream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's open a bottle of bourbon. Gyne and scream and see what happens at Picard at BaldMove.com. All right. Look out for our feedback episode. Send in your feedback. We'll be back with more ridiculousness, I'm sure, next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.
Look out for a fantastic episode. Send in your feedback.